the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Another day, another dollar. 800-516-1220 to each calls of the air. It's 800-516-1220. Yesterday was a weird day on the Wall Street. Let's talk about it, okay? What we had was an up market. At 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock Pacific time, I was looking at my phone. I was looking at my wealth. I was like, woo-hoo! And by 1 o'clock, I was like, I was like where did it all go? It went down, down, down. So a range-bound market is a range-bound market is a range-bound market until it's not. So you had a, a notable rally, and it dissolved into selling fast. Now, how come that reversal? Well, you had the hawkish-sounding FOMC, Fed Open Market Committee, the minutes came out in a soundbite from House Speaker Ryan suggesting that the tax reform process could take a while since the House, Senate, and White House are not on the same page yet with a reform plan. Interesting. We've kind of smelt it coming, right? You kind of saw the Republicans turn on Donald Trump and say, that's not Republican enough for you. It's a little too Democratic. Uh, we're not going to get this health care plan done. And as there's some fraying inside his own party, it's strengthening the Democrats. Stay together, stay together, stay together. So the impression that the minutes left yesterday revolved largely around two precedents. One, that many of the participants judged chance that there would be a change to the reinvestment policy would likely be appropriate later this year if the economy continued to perform. And two, some participants viewed equity prices as quite high relative to standard valuation measures. The Fed came out yesterday, and they told us what they were talking about last month by releasing their minutes. And yeah, we know that they are seeing you know, an economy that needs higher interest rates. But we didn't know they were going to say anything about the stock market being too high. So keep in mind, part of their job is to stop inflation and what's been inflating this year, the stock market. Now... We'll see about that. The only real halting 
comment, in my opinion, was the one about the change in the reinvestment policy later this year. Um, that is a de facto tightening approach. And although some officials have been you know, talking up the notion of balance sheet normalization, it struck a chord, I think, because the market wasn't altogether ready for such a shift. Should it begin? To begin before the end of the year in the wake of multiple rate hikes already. They're going to stop buying debt. They went through enormous measures to help our economy when 2006, 2007, 2008, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, housing market all kind of hit each other. And now they're trying to say we're trying not to do the enormous links. Paul Ryan, he said that tax reform may not get done. And we've already been starting to talk about that on this show. So think about it. I'm not early to the party. I'm kind of reporting what I see. So the healthcare reform boondoggle. Uh, tons of headlines discussing the lack of agreement on how to ta- handle tax reform. You know, to this day, we keep hearing, you know, is it going to be 15% corporate taxes? Is it going to be 20%, 28%, down from 35%? I think all those would be welcome, but when you're aiming for 15, you settle for 20. But when you're aiming for 20, you settle for 28. Is kind of like the where it looks like it's heading. So the Fed talked about equity valuations, which everyone's talked about. I've got Patrick O'Hare on this show every Tuesday, and uh, he's, I'm not going to say freaked out about it, but it's not a startling perspective to say we're trading above historical norms. And it's been years that we've been doing that now. So there's a little bit of awareness of matters looking to have set in. Um... And I think there will probably be a little bit more of a a look-see at how things went yesterday on today's market. And some of it, you know, will come back and go, okay, well, we kind of expected that. I still can't get over the the idea that Yahoo's going to change their name to Oath. That doesn't sound right to me. So, um, I don't know if you're with me or against me on that one, but... Yeah, that's going to go away. So markets open higher today. Uh, again, we're not putting a lot of value in that because we saw how fast it turned yesterday. Or I think we did. Uh, you have a little bit of a rebound in oil prices today. You got a little bit more talk about potential infrastructure spend. You've got encouraging initial jobless claims, and the word from the ECB President Mario Von Draghi that there's no need right now to change the ECB's easy policy stance. Uh, again, the way our economy went into a tailspin, we went in first and Europe kind of followed into us, so they're a little bit behind us. So they shouldn't be raising rates anytime soon if they're following our model. Or reasonably following our model. So the 50-day simple moving average on the S&P 500 is right around 2346, 2345. And it's been a big level of resistance on the downside of support since the election. If and when we break through that, you can write it down, 2346, 2345. That's when people are going to start getting nervous. And that's when you're going to probably see more of a 1% correction turns into 5. Everyone's going to have to wait and see what happens right now. Um, if we hit that selling pressure and or not. So again... Just go take a look at the SP 500, 2346, 2345, 
and we're right now at 2354. Um, there's a big summit between President Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping, and it's, I think it's a two-day summit. Um, it's going to be closely watched by market participants, given the various points of contention, trade, uh, North Korea, the South China Sea, and Taiwan, to say the least. Remember Donald Trump called Taiwan after his election, which is, oh, we only see, we're supposed to see China as a one state versus two separate. Then South China, uh, China's, South China Sea, South China, or China's been building up uh, bases and kind of controlling that water when Japan's like, hey, that's our water. Uh, trade issues, uh, a regular, regular conversation is, um, China doesn't have to play fair. They can have state-sponsored cities and state-sponsored businesses. And a lot like the United States, they'll print money for supporting those. And Trump has tweeted, as of very recent days, um, you know, seven days ago, the meeting next week with China will be very difficult in one that we can no longer have massive trade deficits. Now, We'll see. When President Trump meets with Chinese President Xi Jinping, he's going to remind his guests that China runs the largest trade surplus with the United States, and that persistent pattern has led to a mass exodus of American jobs, ultimately in the last decade. Um, and then with North Korea, China has a kind of a way of you know telling a little punk uh, dictator to control himself, or they'll cut him off financially, and you know. Uh, with goods. So any sense that the summit's proceeding in a very amical way would give way to a relief rally. And we can get back to going to those highs again. First time unemployment claims came in at uh, 234,000. Any number under 350,000 is a good number. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I know a person who spent $7,000 on their cat's medical bills. A cat named Bubbles. Who is a wonderful cat. Joyful, fat. uh, Followed people around. Um, sits with them on couches. Um, pretty wonderful cat. In one year, this cat was $3,000 on medicine, vet visits, interventions, because it had a severe colon disease. Um, then there was a $4,000 surgery and a vet stay that you know might give her a shot at normal life, bubbles the cat. Or that surgery would kill her. 
we in the Bay Area, we earn a good living, and we're disciplined savers, we're disciplined investors. $7,000 for the life of a house cat, where do you draw a line? My parents thought of paying that would have killed them. How much to spend when a pet gets sick is a dilemma. 68% of American households have pets. That's about 85 million homes. That's up from 56% just 30 years ago. Pets are becoming members of the family. Pet spending, food, supplies, services, $67 billion industry. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of ways to invest. Now, because of that, because they're such a part of our lives now, there's this moral dilemma that you're going to have to face. Americans will spend up to $1,000 to save a pet. 15%, 61% of Americans would uh, spend up to $1,000. 15% will spend up to 3000 and 10% would spend even more. It starts to get kind of crazy, right? And you start getting in your head like, I didn't choose this cat. This cat chose us. Keep in mind the number one claim on your insurance claims in your home, owners of policy, or dog bites. So how much would you spend on a pet? Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton talk a little financial planning. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a certified financial planner with NewFocusFinancial.com. Expenses in retirement significantly impact your retirement cash flow. Some studies studies suggest that retirement expenses may be 60 to 80% of your current expenses. I don't know if I trust any of these studies because we all differ like golden clay. Those studies are ridiculous. I don't know if they've ever looked at anybody when they actually retire. From my experience, people spend more money the first five years of retirement than when they were working. Now, every, almost every single time. Is it fair to say that age 60 to 70 in retirement, your expenses, you should probably count on 100% of what you're doing while you're working? Or maybe... It's, it's typically more. Okay, you think it's more. Okay. Because what happens when you retire, and I've, I've said this so many times on the air, I know, but it's still people have to be aware. When you're working, you get your health insurance paid for. Right. When you turn 65, you have to sign up for Medicare. Medicare Part A is free. Medicare Part B costs you over 115 bucks a month, but it's still not enough. So you need supplemental insurance, you need prescription drug coverage, and you need long-term care protection as well on top of those costs. So you have to figure five to $700 a month per person in retirement. You have to figure your expenses for your vacations. And a lot of retired people are now having to help their kids, Rob, because the unemployment rate coming out of college is, is, is a little bit too high. Um, and you should focus on that now, too, if you're you know 40 years old planning for your kid's college education and they come to you and they want to major in philosophy yep. and you're going to send them to a high college cost for that, you are wasting your money because they're going to just be living on your couch or in your basement again. So, so beware of that. Having a budget is critically important. And let me explain how boring having a budget is. You have housing costs, garden, home repair, home insurance, landscaping, property taxes, rent. Uh, telephone, utilities, waste disposal. You have transportation, bus, gas, insurance, license, parking, repairs, vehicle payment. You've got food and beverages, groceries, beverages, restaurants, personal work, appliances. You got clothing, you got entertainment, you got education, you got gifts that you want to give, medical and dental, obligations like child support, um, postage, life insurance, disability insurance, credit cards. You've got personal care like haircuts. Most people don't think of everything that you have to budget and in retirement, you got no more. You're not going back to work, so it's critically important that you have a detailed budget that includes pets. 
We got a dog or cat in retirement, and the dog gets sick. That's a couple thousand dollars sometimes. You, I can't even start an investment portfolio plan for a person unless I know approximately what they're spending. Right. Because cash is king. Right. All right. So use the stupid term cash is king for any portfolio. And when you're younger, minimum of six months of expenses in your emergency reserves. If you're in like a, the tech industry sales where people jump jobs all the time yeah. or the healthcare sales industry where every two to three years they're working somewhere else. Um, a lot of times we'll have those families have at least a year. But when you're retired, it's key that you have three years worth of expenses. And so I have to figure out how much I have to carve out of the rest of the portfolio to keep in cash outside of management. And then I can go based on how long somebody's going to live, what they need for expenses, and figure out how much they need in stocks, bonds, commodities, and real estate. Um, but the expenses, like, you know, those long-term projections and a good financial plan, also in retirement, you have to ver- have a very good detailed income plan, a spreadsheet that you can look at that says year over year over the next 10 years, where is my money going to come from? Which accounts am I going to be drawing from in retirement? Yeah. And I can do that as long as I know what the expenses are. And that's key because... You want to be comfortable in retirement and knowing where your dollar is going to come from out of which accounts, because people are retiring with Ross, IRAs, 401ks, taxable accounts, and it gets confusing. Which one do I draw from first? And a comfortable retirement is, is one where you're very aware of where the money's going to come from. A couple expenses that may actually decrease in retirement, I've tried to think of them because we're going with a negative on increases, but your taxes probably will go down. If you do it right, yeah. Your um, move to a state that has lower tax bracket, and it will. Or move to a state that has no sales tax, and it will. Um, the mortgage probably paid off. That's an expense that should go down in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would there be? Maybe a reverse mortgage where you could actually start drawing capital from your home, and you're actually paying yourself instead of – you see where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah. So you know, if we hit these one at a time um – the taxes that go down. If you do your income planning right, you can maintain a lower tax bracket in retirement. Okay. The problem is that people spend all their cash first and then their taxable accounts and then they hit their IRAs. And at 70 and a half, you're forced to pull a certain money out of your IRA accounts whether or not you want to. So you, Roth. You can have your Roth go total. Right. Roth, Roths don't have that minimum credit distribution. So people need to make sure that they're pulling, they, they look at their IRAs right from the start and pull enough out to maintain that 15% federal bracket from the beginning. That way they can have a, a low level bracket for their entire lifetime rather than just put off the withdrawals forever. So that's how you have to deal with with that scenario. Um, other expenses that go down, it's really things like, you know, dry cleaning because you're not working anymore. Okay. Eating out should go down. Um, hopefully, but, hopefully your children's education costs are gone down. Right, right. Otherwise, you're making babies at way too late of life. <laughs> Anything else that we need to know about uh, managing your cash flow in retirement? Well, it, it, again, it's you know, unfortunately, a lot of people go to a financial advisor. Yep. And if they're not asking you those detailed questions or requiring it as part of a comprehensive financial plan, and then they give you some basic boilerplate plan, and at the end of it says buy this annuity or this insurance product, you know you're going the wrong direction. There you go. It has to be personalized and tailored. Yeah. And they have to actually get to know you. Because, like, if you have a special needs kid, I mean, there's just so many curveballs that could come up, and you don't want to see that. But anyway, you get the idea.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. There's a photo going around of a Syrian father holding his twins' lifeless bodies. And when I'm talking twins, I'm talking, you know, nine-month-old children. Um, it's pretty tragic, and it kind of epitomizes what's going on right now in Syria. Even his wife has died. His wife, his two twins, like, we're just leaving these people to their own. And literally, they're holding their dead. Um, and there's something that just never will make sense is the death of a child. Um, I took a logic class, and I took a business ethics class that kind of combined the two. There's one thing that I learned is that the death of a child will never, ever make sense. You can make sense of almost everything else. But parents weren't meant to be put on this earth to bury their children. Um, one of the reasons I do this show is to try to get you to have a better life in the long term and not necessarily the short term. Hopefully in the short term, too. You know, we've all learned the hard way that, you know, sometimes if you've got to kill yourself to get a job done, it's not worth doing. Um, so in the Bay Area, for instance, uh, the quality of life continues to slip more and more and more as the prices of everything go up and that's not necessarily the wages do. And at some point in time, you just got to stop killing yourself. Um, and you got to look for other options. I have a friend that moved from San Jose to Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's a culture shock, but she said the quality of life's crazy good comparatively. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, talk a little bit of real estate and change the topic. Welcome in to a moment with Shakespeare. Macbeth once said, to get points or not to get points. Okay, so that's not true. But that's a question that people have. To be or not to be, another question they have is, should I buy points when I get a mortgage? When I get a loan, should I pay money to get a lower cost loan? It I mean, that almost sounds like a scam. That almost sounds too good to be true. It's an odd concept that you have to pay to lower your rate. Points. Paying for points. Pay, uh, point is equal to a percentage of your loan amount. So if you're paying one point, that's 1%. If it's $400,000 loan, that's $4,000 extra. So if, But if paying that point drops your rate by a quarter percent and you save $150 a month, divide 4000 by 150 and that's how many months it takes for you to recoup those costs. So if you keep it longer than that, those months, let's say it's 33 months, and you plan on keeping that house for seven years, 84 months, you're going to benefit every month after that. So it's an investment into your loan. Um, a lot of people use uh, points when rates are going up or if it's in a purchase and the seller's giving them some concessions because on a purchase, all of your costs are out of your pocket, the down payment plus your closing costs. So the best way to get some additional costs is either from the rate, which is the opposite of paying points, or from the seller. So if the seller's giving you some concessions in cash, you can use that to pay points, which pays off over the long term. So somebody else is paying you, you for having a lower rate. I recently got an email from someone who was going through a refi, and he says, I've never paid points. And that was interesting because I was like, I've always paid points. And I, I look at it as buying them. It's buying a cheaper loan. And if I'm going to be in the house or if I'm going to have a rental for more than two, three years, 
typically the math's going to work out that it's worth it, especially in low interest rate environments. So if you're getting lower interest rates. Right, and the people who don't pay points are actually at a higher rate than if they actually paid some costs. So this brings me to um, my issue I have with banks and other kinds of brokers and bankers that don't give options out. They're looking at the mass amount of people out there looking to refinance or purchase a house and saying, oh, we're going to give you low costs. In reality, they may not be doing the right service to this borrower when they should have paid a point, and it would have saved them money on a longer term. So they're not really qualifying. They're looking at those emotions, of, uh, and they're looking at, at a formula that says, if we advertise this, we're going to get more return on our, uh, on our clients. So make sure that when you do look at a loan, look at all of the options. As a matter of fact, the new rules that came out last year make brokers uh, explain that if you paid points, this would be your lowest rate. If you don't pay points, this is the rate. And by the way, I'm choosing this rate. So it's called, a, it's part of the anti-steering rule where we're not steering you into a product that's making you, us more money and costing you more money. So be very careful about somebody who says no points. That also means you're taking a higher rate. I always find it um, intimidating, the process of getting a loan, because at some point in time, you look at the cost you look at how much you're borrowing. You're looking at how long it's going to take to pay off. So I, that's the area that I think most people talk themselves out of points. And I really, really want people to run both the scenarios. Uh, because, yes, when you look at that, that final sheet of how much stuff costs and how many pieces of paper you're going to have to sign, you know, I've paid attorneys to sign for me because I don't like mortgages, mortgage paperwork that much. I'm just like, you go sign for me. Um, you get it done. Um, well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is don't get intimidated by the process and know that points generally, in my opinion, are a good thing to consider. Uh, if you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, no. But then again, if you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, a 30-year mortgage isn't appropriate for you either. Right, and you could do the same thing by getting an arm, uh, like a five-year arm. If you're going to leave in two years, get a five-year arm or a three-year arm, you're going to get a lower rate to begin with and then do a no point, and your rate's lower as if you were to pay points on a 30-year. So but that freaks people out because what if I can't sell the property in three to five years on the arm and I can't refinance, and I can't, and the rates go right. like, oh, the rate, oh, the rates went higher. I'd be like, people freak out. Yep. And uh, we're all gonna die. <laughs> Earth is gonna go hurtling in the sun at some point in time, and I just don't think life. Aren't is we getting stupid. closer to the sun every year? I now you're freaking me out. You're listening to Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. We all know that I've got mental issues. I uh, love my work. I enjoy my work. Uh, I try to relate my work to you. There's a woman named Elizabeth Holmes who uh, got out of Stanford, and she has this great concept of a blood machine that just takes a prick of blood and can tell you a lot about yourself, including you know cancer and issue ups like that. Um, so her company, Theranos, she left college to start once. $5 billion stake in her own blood testing firm has shriveled. She owes the company about $25 million. The disclosure of that debt was included in a deal document Therano circulated to a select group of current investors with whom the firm is trying to trade shares from its her personal stake in exchange for a promise not to sue the company. So the $25 million Holmes owes comes from an agreement between her and the company that allowed her to exercise options to buy more stock without having to pay up front. So it subverts the entire premise of an option grant, and it just shows you the amount of greed that can happen in a private company. I used to jokingly say, like, she's probably the most attractive woman on the planet because she was under 30 and worth billions, and it was a bit of a joke, 
but now it's just kind of sad and tragic. Uh, um, and uh, I hope she's got friends. Because to go from that level of being worth $5 billion to basically being bankrupt, from going from that level of people saying, whoa, you're changing the world with your technology, to the technology didn't quite work the way it was explained to us as it would, um, that's got to be a big fall from grace. Snapchat is launching an attack on one of Facebook's ad revenues. Oh boy, these guys don't like each other, right? So, Snapchat's popularity with younger users has helped eat into the important segment of Facebook's audience. I've started using Snapchat, and uh, it's difficult to get good at it. Snapchat is stepping up its attack on another major pillar of Facebook's business, advertisers. So, they're rolling out two new tools to bolster its ad offerings, one of which is aimed squarely at a key source of Facebook's mobile ad revenue. Advertisers on Snapchat will now have access to goal-based bidding for app install ads, an industry term that means an advertiser can target Snapchat users who are likely to install its app. Snapchat is targeting its app install ads, which ask users to swipe up on full-screen video ads using machine learning technology it developed in-house. So um, it's interesting. The market for app install ads is growing quickly, with revenue in the United States expected to reach over $7 billion by the end of 2020. One of these snap add-ons, for instance, could be like a bit emoji where you're changing your, your avatar pretty aggressively. But it's cute, so you can have an avatar. I've got brown eyes, brown hair, blue eyes, and I can change it. And let's say I'm in love with brown, brown hair, brown eyes, or brown hair, blue eyes. So brown hair, blue eyes is in love with brown hair, blue eyes. And, you know, I can put on a T-shirt that says heart, and I can suddenly be sitting next to my, my, my bow, so to speak. They're doing some good stuff. Um, anyway, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I found it interesting yesterday that another big store retailer is leaving Fifth Avenue, Ralph Lauren. Uh, Berghoff Goodman, Tiffany, Louis Vuitton is losing its, its retailers. Fifth Avenue in Manhattan is shopping, uh, is to basically what, is shopping what Broadway is to theater. Uh, but the glittery window displays are all shutting down as people are pulling up stakes. It's the real estate's just too expensive. So you look at a Ralph Lauren on Fifth Avenue and you're like, well, they're selling ten dollars shirt. It's it's can't it, it's brick and mortar problems of versus Amazon. So up go the stakes, out go the company. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. Tickets, 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 tickets. Actually, I don't have any tickets to give away. Um, all gone. I'll get something soon for you, though. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Um, again, thanks for listening to the show. I know some days are absolutely better than others, and I try to do what I can, whether it's talk about a wedding costing $30,000, and I just want to do that. And it's funny, because I was talking to Annie Hong at Cron yesterday. Um, I did a similar story on Cron. And um, she had a big wedding, and she was kind of offended that I said that. She goes, "You really want? If you had a daughter, you really want to want to see that big day?" I'm like, "No. I think thirty thousand dollars spent on a party is thirty thousand dollars spent on a party, and most people can't afford that party. And we've kind of been sold this notion that we deserve it. Now her parents were probably pretty rich." And, you know, she's got a good job. Her husband has a good job. And I'm happy for her, but I think it's a silly party. And we're seeing silliness is, you know, my sweet 16s, bon mitzvahs, you know, getting Fetty Wap to, you know, sing for a million plus dollars. If you have the money, that's fine. But I I do think it's a bad spend of money uh, for throwing down $30,000 on a party where you get to wear a virginal white dress. Um, and, and I'm not jaded. I'm not. I just, I think a couple would rather go on, you know, to be honest with you, six major vacations over the next six years and, you know, really build the relationship from the ground up right. Um, so, you know, we, her and I disagreed on that, and that's fine. We talked about the concept of, you know, should you put some of it on credit card debt? No. Because then a thirty thousand dollar wedding turns into a forty thousand dollar wedding by the time you pay for it all. So earlier in the show, I was talking about how much do you spend on a cat who's dying, and I don't have an answer for you. You know, when your cat, you spend four thousand dollars. I've got a dog, Maisie the Underdog, and uh, she's the oldest of her litter now. So her time is is it's ticking, and her hips are starting to fail. And the beauty that was once Maisie was her ability to run and flush birds, and be happy. Um, and she can't do all that anymore. And one day I won't be able to do all that. And I, of course I don't want someone to you know, take me to the vet and put me down. Um, there's a cost. And you have to realize that, and there's a moral issue. Uh, just like with a wedding, there's a cost. So, and most people tap out right around $1,000. I can tell you in the last three months, Maisie's, we've spent a lot more on Maisie than that. Um, Pet insurance is the one thing that everyone could probably start looking back on. Premiums are typically about $25 a month, payouts of about 80% of medical expenses. That would have contributed about, you know, $1,600 into the life of the animal. Uh, But it would have saved about as much as $4,000. So, I don't know if there's a right answer or not. Hitting some of the other top stories today, uh, U.S. weekly jobless claims came in at 234,000. That's a good number. Markets can move higher on that. It's all tied towards whether or not you have a job. Mortgage rates fell for the third straight week. 
Rates for home loans notched their third weekly decline, nearing a fresh low of 2017. So the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is at 4.1%. The 15-year fixed-rate mortgage is at 3.3%. Big loser, U.S.-China trade scorecard. When President Trump meets with Chinese President Xi Jinping today and tomorrow, he's going to have to remind his guests from China that, you know, China has the largest surplus with the United States out of all the companies, countries we work with. Now, do we want that or not? There's some really damning questions in that. I kind of like the fact that, you know, my Apple iPhone is $600 versus $900 made in the U.S., but the 900 made in the U.S., would that be a, would someone want to do that manufacturing? I don't know. Would Apple eventually say, you know what, we're going to not give the job to either China or the U.S. and we're going to have robots do it? Some of these trade surpluses have given the United States access to real cheap labor. And if you look historically at the United States, and this is an offensive statement, we're built on cheap labor. So whether it be slavery or, for a long part, made in Japan, made in Taiwan, made in Indonesia, made in Vietnam, made in China, um, cheap labor has driven this country. And it's pretty morally offensive uh, to a lot of people. And I'll make a joke, you know, I like my Nikes costing $119 versus $200 because there's little, you know, there's little hands can fit inside my shoes and make them perfectly for me. And like, what is wrong with this guy? Why is he saying that? I'm trying to say... Look how crazy this is. Comcast has unveiled a wireless service, Xfinity Mobile, for $45 to $65. The cable internet provider spelled out the details on this wireless service. The new branded Xfinity Mobile service is going to be um, leveraging Verizon Wireless's network, and it's going to launch mid-year. It'll be confined to Comcast customers who already pay for home and internet service, as well as potential new subscriptions who reside within Comcast's footprint. Um, I'm interested by that. Uh, you know, my Verizon bill is about 80 bucks a month, $85. So I have Comcast modem and I can go down to 45 to 65. I'd be like, Ooh, maybe, maybe, baby. But the question is how good will the network be? And will Verizon throw curves at it to make sure that it doesn't get too good. Um, the feds can start unwinding stimulus. So says one of their members. San Francisco Federal Reserve, John Williams. And he says it's going to take several years and it's going to run in parallel to increasing Fed interest rates, but they're going to start, they're going to start pulling interest rates, uh, start pulling money from buying bonds. Interesting. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.